Alrighty, so spoilers now. Uh, yes, don't listen to this episode unless you've seen Solo, A Star Wars Story. Uh, go out to the movies, watch it, and come back and then listen to this in like two and a half hours. But if you've seen it, uh, we're going we're gonna to talk about everything that you've been excited to chat with people about. Yes, so I mean, overall, this movie... Uh, it was really a lot of fun to watch. Yes. Uh, it was an interesting experience. Uh, I'd said I'd give it probably like a 7 out of 10. I put it as my uh, as my seventh favorite Star Wars movie as well. Uh, I think overall, uh, the plot was a little bit shallow. Uh, the characters I really quite liked a lot. The humor was good. The action sequences were, for the most part, good. There were some weird lulls, and we'll kind of get into those. Uh, but for the most part, it was fun with some not great writing which was kind of a surprise yeah well what was a surprise is because to me i wanted the story to be shallow i didn't want them to take any like big uh narrative uh dips and stuff i was i was fine with them just showing us exactly what that line about the castle run meant and then building a story around that even Mm. if it's simple street rat becomes a fancy pilot uh what was disappointing about the writing to me is the dialogue was really shoddy. There was some some pieces of dialogue that like you'd write if you were writing a play in grade 12. Yeah, the dialogue was weak at some times. And I thought overall, I know what you mean about not wanting that deep of a plot, something you don't need a big thinker here. But when I thought about this episode, I was like, oh, that was a weird feeling. Thinking about Solo... It just feels like a really, at times, not not the entire time, but at times it feels like a, a very long, only okay episode of The Clone Wars. That's interesting. It Like, the, the action level, it just doesn't seem important enough. Every Star yeah. Wars movie, it has such importance. Galaxy on the line. Solo just so wasn't important. Compared nope. to, like what's going on and the galactic impacts and i know that this is an instance where like rebels i love but didn't always have major right major plot happening and same with the clone wars but because it was the movie i don't know it just it just felt like there wasn't enough i don't know there just wasn't enough there we go that's the word i'm looking for there wasn't enough urgency because stealing coaxium isn't ju- it just isn't that interesting but therein lies the fundamental problem with the making of this film as much as as much as we love han solo and he's and he's very contributive to the story of star wars if you lift him out i don't want to say it's going to go the same because he's heroic and he saves the day many many times but he was not part of the plan he's just no. a guy who gets involved with it uh-huh. none of none of the 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 motivation in any of our other characters is relating to Han Solo. No, he's just along for the ride. That's right. Like we are. Yep. But I would... And there was a couple points actually towards the end, and we'll get to those later on, but where I actually... I I didn't like that he was in the driver's seat at a couple points. Yeah. When he shouldn't have been. Right. Because it is very much like Han Solo to not know what's going on and to pretend like he does. <laughs> I, I just overall, and I know I've defended Alden Ehrenreich an awful lot lately, I think the guy's a good actor. I, I liked his character, but to me, he wasn't Han Solo. And I'm not saying that to be like a, uh, not my president. Like, I'm not, I'm not trying to be like uh, stubborn about it because he has a very tough job. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if it's the writing or, or the direction or what it is, but he's just too smiley for me. He's too chatty, and he's very um, he's very articulate. Like, like Han Solo, I've really noticed in these reviewings how mumbly Han Solo is. 
That's interesting. Uh, I actually, I ranked kind of, like, I graded the characters. I gave Han You a ranked B- your Han Solos? Because I have them ranked, too. Well, no, no. I have them ranked as well. <laughs> uh, Harrison Ford. Yeah, with it, the bullet. Yeah, of course. But <laughs> we have, like, the Han portrayed by Alden in this movie. I, I don't know. I give Han a B plus here. Yeah. Uh, Alden being the reason that that's so high. I thought he did a great job. I loved everything he did with what he was given. Like I said, he's a good actor. Yeah, the only things I didn't like were things that were so very clearly, in my opinion, not in his control. I do. I didn't like some writing that didn't work for the character. And I agree with you. He didn't grow enough. He was too happy even towards the end. He hadn't developed the cynicism that we needed. And I think that was the problem. But that doesn't fall down to Alden. No, it doesn't. And because of that... I am, I'm thrilled with what he gave us, and I couldn't have asked for more. Uh, I could have asked for maybe a little bit more from Ron Howard or Lord Miller. Pretty hard to figure that out. But yeah. I definitely could have asked for more from the Kasdans. And when I have my MVP of this movie, it's Chewie. And when I have my seriously let the team down, it is John and Larry Kasdan. Yeah, isn't that kind of a shame? Which is surprising because I'm not a huge Chewbacca fan. Like, I love Chewie. We it's, all love it's Chewie. Jacob, by the way. It's Jacob Kasdan. That's John. I don't think so. It's John. All right. All right. I'm going to check on that for you. Okay. All <laughs> uh, right. Chewie did have a good movie. And Chewie's due for a good movie because well, he that's... has been such a, like, a tertiary character in this reboot. Exactly. I mean, even Chewie, like, he's just someone that I, he never resonated with me, but I absolutely loved him in this movie. Yeah, of course. I loved the way we met him. I just, I love Chewie. Chewie got a, a strong A for me. Lando, an A minus. It uh, is Jonathan Kasdan. You were right. <laughs> You're always right. My problem with Lando is, I mean, I love Donald Glover. I think he did a good job too, but where the whole point of Alden playing Han Solo is that he's going to do it his own way. Mm-hmm. I really kind of thought uh, Donald was just doing a Billy D. Williams, like right down to the accent, which frankly, I didn't really pick up on when, when I watched Empire Strikes Back this morning. Like the, 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 him doing this weird, like I know he says Han Han, mm-hmm. and so did Leia, by the way, in this most recent 20. Uh, it, it just doesn't really... I don't know where where he's pulling that from. To be honest, I loved it. I, I totally thought it landed. I do think it's very interesting how no one wanted a Harrison Ford impression, but everyone's very okay with the Billy D. Williams impression. It because is. you're definitely right. That is what he's done. But I thought it really landed. I, I thought it worked. And because he's just naturally a good actor, ha- having him do a slight alteration to his voice wasn't enough to not make his performance excellent and i loved like the little like holographic diaries that he would do where he would talk to himself oh that was so great it was very corny uh the cape room he was just he's more full of himself in this movie than he is which is perfect because he's younger yep i thought he was i thought he showed such a clear path to the lando that we get later on yeah he's not refined yet he's like way cockier than you could ever imagine and yeah. Lando's cocky as hell in the original trilogy yep. but I, I thought the way Han should have progressed Lando did like the way th- and didn't Lando did I thought Lando had a, a good arc even though he was pretty surface level I thought Donald Glover was great well and in general I thought the relationship between them was very good like it they, was yeah really I think the best thing the movie did was lay the groundwork for who those two are to each other and how Han and Chewie are together 
Yeah, that I thought was really they nice. were excellent. That together. reveal where he gets tossed down into the beast, and it feels just like the opening in Jabba's palace in mm-hmm. Return of the Jedi. And you're like, "What is this beast going to be?" And it just doesn't occur to you until you hear the growl that it's going to be a Wookiee. I know, and it's and like it's a scary Wookiee. Chewie is scary in that. Chewie's moment. terrifying in that moment. Um, but you know, just before we get to that, let's before kinda... we move off Han and Lando, I just wanted to say uh, maybe my favorite moment, my favorite Easter egg. My favorite fan service in the whole movie was I hate you, I know. I thought that was I thought that was too perfect. That was a good one. Yeah. Um Beckett I gave a B. Kira I gave I a C minus. Why, why do you think Beckett's great? Because I, th- I, I because first of all, I think Woody Harrelson is good in every damn thing he's, he's ever been. He's in. incredible. Yes. And I, I just thought that he was the most believable character. I agree. He was definitely believable. There was just there was two things that I thought were so bad about that character okay. that were pretty hard to forgive. He didn't he didn't get over his he got over his wife dying too quickly. Well, his like Val, someone he's supposed to love, and Rio, who's part of his crew and is incredible. Yeah, Rio, portrayed by John Favreau, is such a wonderful character, and the fact that he dies so quickly just fucking sucks. Yeah, uh, but. Woody Harrelson, Beckett just doesn't care enough that they died. And then he just goes on and, like, does this mission with this new kid that he finds. And he likes Han, but then he tells Han not to trust anyone, and then he betrays him. It was just too easy. He was too much of the character. Like, he was so predictable. It just was disappointing. Yeah. That the character was done so well, but the writing let the character down. And that's one where I felt the writing let the character down even more than the bad dialogue from Han. Right. Where and, I mean, we talked before in the trailers about how he has that line about how everybody will let you down. If you just trust that everyone will let you down, you'll never be disappointed. Mm. Uh, and ultimately, he stabs Han in the back. He betrays yeah. Han. But like, not really for insidious reasons. Just he's got nothing left, and he's got to look out for number one. Mm-hmm. And you kind of get it, because that's really what Han is supposed to be all about. Uh but that he then dies when Han shoots first. Well, I mean, it's, that's really good. That's really what's, smart. What's interesting is that he's almost a cautionary tale. Mm-hmm. He is what Han would become if he doesn't meet Luke and Leia. If he yeah. doesn't meet that old wizard and the young farm boy in Mos Eisley, yeah. he becomes Beckett. Yeah. That is exactly who he becomes. You're right. And so it is a little interesting that way that Han really could have just been killed off by some young kid. Uh, after a job at some point if you never met Luke and Leia. He was killed off by some young kid, but that's another story. Oof. I didn't even think about that, the fact that it was just some young kid. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Some punk asshole. Some punk asshole who <laughs> shares half his blood. What else you got? Um, I had Dryden Voss. Was I thought a B plus solid villain? Uh, oh, I like Dryden Voss. He's an A minus for me. Okay, I I, yeah. I think that's fair. Yeah. Uh, the only, maybe the only reason I gave him a B B plus is because we honestly just didn't get enough of him. There's not a whole lot to him. It's easy to see how they shot him in last minute. Yeah. Uh, he's really really only in two scenes, and both are in his apartment. Yeah. Uh, on his yacht. Yeah, it's it's really just speaks to the the amazing uh, thespian skills of Paul Bettany. Just to because you're right, there's no backstory. You just know he's like a scary uh, gangster. He's you crazy know? and he plays it well. He's crazy. That's right. He's not. He's that's, insane. That's true. He's not really together enough to be really running the show, which is interesting because we learn later he does in fact have a boss. Hmm. Um, but yeah, no, he 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 plays just he's the right level of unhinged, uh, and I thought it was really cool and that he has almost like. It was very similar to the Cantina or Jabba's Palace where you have all these different creatures and it's kind of like an interesting sight to be able to see, but it's so classy. Yep. 
as opposed to being a dive like we're used to seeing, even like Maz Kanata's Castle. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a dive. Yep. Whereas this is almost like Canto Bite, but actually done well. Yeah, it's not corny. It's done where it's not over the top, it's not too long, it doesn't consume the plot. It's it's just used to kind of portray along the story and just move it along a little. And that's the way Canto Bite should have been done. Yeah. And I thought that was... Uh, definitely Ryan Johnson could have learned something from that, the way that scene was done, because it had what Canto Bite was going for and that class and that sort of like upper elite level cr- like crime that is like white collar crime almost. Well, Han doesn't belong here the same way Finn didn't belong yeah. on Canto Bite. That's yeah. an interesting way of putting it. Um, I have L337 as a D. You were not a fan. I fucking hated that character. That's too bad because you were excited for her. I, I was because I liked her in Last Shot, yeah. uh, but she was more muted in Last Shot. Uh, and just, I thought Phoebe Waller-Bridge just what was, the was problem? What, too why? over the top. I just thought she was annoying. Okay. I, I was honestly stoked when she died. Oh. And I thought Lando reacted really well in a cool, like, just, like, really showing emotion. And, like, just, she was falling apart. Yeah. But she looked weird to walk. There was, like, she had, like, the really wide apart legs. And the character was yeah, loud she was and annoying. For sure. I liked like the droid revolutional angles, and I liked the fact that she set those droids free. And that was like a feminist kind of. And I, I liked that character in Last Shot. Yeah, I yeah. think it was done well, but it was over the top in Solo. It was too in your face, and it was too like, oh, I know there's a scene going on here, but you're going to pay attention to me, even though I don't matter. What was the real problem with Kira? Uh, the real problem with Kira was that she just isn't interesting. Yeah, you're right. We don't learn anything about how she becomes badass. She's just Han's love interest, and then this device that gets him to want to become like come back to Corellia and Which join a gang. Really, but yeah, I mean, he just loves her because she's cute. But like, and we I don't think, know anything about her. Well, and there's all of this. She references it. Paul Bettany references it. You wouldn't believe the things Kira's done I since know. you knew her. What is she doing exactly? Well, they do later on say. She's having conferences with a certain someone. Yeah, and that she also is responsible for cutting the tongues out of people. Yeah, but that doesn't seem like her, does it? No, it doesn't, but that's no. that's what we're supposed to... Which is funny, because like, Danny T's a badass too, but I think even Thrones fans say she's not a good actor. Yeah. No, I, th- I think that's agreed. And yeah, her acting wasn't great in this movie. I didn't think it was a terrible, but I think because the writing's not great, but I, it wasn't good. She has an undeniable likability factor, but... Oh, she but, as an actress does, definitely. But that's really what's keeping her going. Yeah, that's 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 <laughs> fair. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that she's really hit on some incredible sagas. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely... she's She's gotten some good gigs, for sure. All right, well, let's uh, kind of follow the, the storyline. So we start off with an introduction, and they do a really cool job of... The a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, that blue font, and yeah. continuing to provide almost like a crawl with that font. I thought it was kind of, I, I mean, I don't want them to do a crawl, but it was basically a crawl. I liked it. Yeah. I liked it. I thought it was nice and subtle. It wasn't jarring as an intro. It provided context that we needed. Yep. Um, I, I thought that was something that I hope they do again uh, in the next Star Wars story or installment. Okay. Uh, Corellia. What do you think of Corellia? Awesome. I thought, I mean, overall, by the way, I think the MVP of this movie is the set designer. The, the That's fair. Sets are freaking In costumes, sets and costumes. Every single one is truly stunning. Corellia, like, it really looks like such a junkyard wasteland. And, uh, yeah, so there's this kind of really good foot chase scene. It's almost like mm-hmm. 
uh, it's almost like Aladdin running from. Yeah, it kind of is. Like the street rat is, and also he's got his girlfriend with him. It was a little, it's a little mushy for mm-hmm. Han Solo. Mm-hmm. Um, it is. You're right. But uh, that's okay because he's a kid. Uh, and then that's when they get separated. And uh, I'd be remiss if we didn't mention him getting his last name when he registers for the Imperial Flight Academy. Oh, my God. You hated that? I loved it. I love so it. So many people hated it. I know. I know. What's wrong with it? Well, I, honestly, like, what, I, I, thought it was, I thought it was done well. But yeah. that's one that really isn't getting... Uh, it's, it's, it's getting very divided opinions well, just it's re- like it's reminding people a little bit of like what are we some kind of suicide squad like it just feels a little too on the nose yeah and that's people. the thing it's it's like is it supposed to be implied where you have this character who is like he, he it's it's just who he is right it's, but no i i think it was fine i thought it was done well um it, it was funny but it, it, it was good for me what it does in fact is it helps you uh forgive well, I think that we, in fact, nobody really takes umbrage with, but it helps you forgive a really poorly named character because he's only yeah. named Han Solo because he's flying solo. Yeah, that's definitely true. You know, George Lucas isn't always. Nope. <laughs> we won't go down that road. Right. And so then he and Kira get separated and uh, he vows to come back to Corellia and find her once he is a big fancy Imperial pilot. Exactly. Yeah, we uh, we get to find uh, Lady Proxima, who is this kind of like water snake lady. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's like almost like a mob boss that he reports to. I think like almost like his fagin. Yeah, kind of. And uh, this was interesting because I loved the characters on Corellia, uh, and uh, it was pointed out on um, on a Collider review was that Jabba the Hutt doesn't speak English, right? And think of all of like the weird creatures that you see in like the original trilogy. The majority of the really weird ones don't speak English. And all of Lady Proxima's gang spoke in that weird alien dialect, but then she speaks in English. Yeah. And she almost sounds like um, Roz from Monsters, Inc. Yeah, Mike. Mike was asking. Yeah, she kind of, she is a little corny. Yeah, and so it's really interesting, whereas I really liked that character. I thought it was really cool. I thought it was so, like, a great, like, but then when I heard that description of it, I was like, wow, fuck, that's a great way of putting that in. Like, that was two big whiffs on a character that I liked at first thought, but could have been better done two, like, done either of those changes. Right, right. Uh, So that was a little interesting. But yeah, no, as an overall, the gold dice were a little underused. Yeah, and whatever, um, I guess. Corellia, I, I thought I thought it was a good start. Uh, yeah. I, I liked it. Uh, then we switched to Mimban. Yeah, uh, this is kind of a flash forward three years. Yeah, so we skip ahead three years. He's in the war, basically. Yeah, he's in the so trenches. He's in the infantry. He uh, he wanted to sign up to be a pilot because he's going to be the greatest pilot in the galaxy, which I'm going to actually take a little an aside right now and say why. Like, how is he so confident that he's going to be amazing? Yeah. yeah, he's good with the speeder. We see that he's really good with the speeder. Right. But... Like, what ship has he been flying? He's a street rat. Right. Star Wars makes up for a lot of uh, backstory with the talent trope. Well, and that's the thing is so many people get mad at Rey, who is a Force user, who's now so powerful that she's able to do all these things without any training. But Han's just a regular guy, and he's able to pull off things no one else in the galaxy He's more of a Mary Sue than Rey is. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Someone compared him like on Reddit to him. He was a Marty Sue in the situation where he just like <laughs> he's just too good for his own for his own good, and and that's kind of true. Yes, it is. Yeah, uh, but it is kind of cool in that that speeder scene is semi kind of uh, reflected in the Kessel Run later on. Right. 
Okay, so that's where he meets uh, the the Beckett and crew, and he kind of tricks them into being a part of his gang. He yeah, he realizes they've uh, infiltrated the the uh, the bad guys also. Yep. So they realize uh, he realizes that they're pulling a job, and as a result, he wants in, but they don't want him to join. So they get him. Uh, they call him a deserter, mm-hmm. and they they throw him in this like. Pit. Yep. And that's the pit with Chewbacca and Dream the scene we chatted about. And they have this big mud fight and they get out of there. And it's a lot of great teamwork. And Han's just getting beat the living shit out of him. He's yep. just getting thrown around. It's a great scene. It's just so awesome. So cut ahead. There's a, a, a train heist happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's kind of where he earns his keep within the group. Unfortunately, that's when two members of the crew die. Yeah. And so this is, I, I loved it. I love Vandor. I thought it was a really cool setting. I loved the the train sequence with like the magnetic boots mm-hmm. of the, like, the stormtroopers. Enfys Nest, who was a character I didn't like, yeah, me but I thought was really cool in this sequence. Yeah. And while we're still seeing her as a villain, uh, I thought that was really cool and and well done. It's interesting, though, and I didn't like that Han uh, lets the money go. He lets it it get away. Yeah, you're right. he's, He's not willing to die for money, and that is not the character we see later on. And he doesn't develop into that character either. No. And that's why, like, it could have worked, but... It didn't because they didn't correct it as the movie went on either. So then we flash forward to when they're actually, he catches up with Kira again, where she's working for Dryden Voss. And that's a little bit off-putting because he's like, I found you finally. I'm going to be a pilot. Let's run away together. And she's like, no, that was the past. Yeah, that's the past. You got to catch up to the future. And then they have kind of like an inside conversation with Beckett, Dryden Voss, Han, Chewie, Kira. uh, And then they decide that they're going to do the Kessel Run. Yep. And by doing that, uh, Han doesn't even know what it is, but he stumbles into it by just kind of saying, well, what if we got some raw coaxium? Yeah. Uh, and then they said, well, they only have those in the Spice Mines of Kessel. And so they, this goes down into that weird tangent, and they need to get a ship that's able to pull off the run because Han's convinced that he'll be a good enough pilot. So Kira knows this guy. Yeah. And then they go to a backroom gambling game of Sabacc, mm-hmm. and we meet Lando. That's right. And so uh, what ultimately happens in there is there's uh, some kind of uh, flirtatious banter between Lando and Han, and they play a game of cards, and it turns out Han's actually pretty good at it, and, and Lando's up, uh, very, very slimy about it, and he's cheating, and because he's cheating, he doesn't lose his ship. Well, that's another instance of why is Han so good? Lando's a notorious gambler. Yeah. He's well-known in the galaxy for gambling. And Han beats him on his first try, because but only doesn't win because yeah, but, Lando's cheating. Like, yeah, but Lando's not good. He just cheats all the time. He doesn't yeah. have to get good at it. And if there's one thing street rats can be good at, it's cards. Yeah, I guess. It just seemed <laughs> like he was so good like that he was able to beat this frequent gambler right, like, right away. So they, they kind of... Uh, enlist Lando to take them in the Millennium Falcon to Kessel. Yeah. And, and the have, Kessel run honestly lives up to all the hype. Well, yeah, no, it's interesting. Like there's some good banter between Lando and Beckett over how much of the cut Lando will get. Mm-hmm. And Lando wants 50% and Beckett gets him down to 25 and then down to 20 even further. And it, it's kind of aligns well to that Vader conversation we were chatting about yes. how Lando speaking from a perspective of he's trying to negotiate when he holds none of the cards right. and is not going to be negotiating because the other person picks what they want right. and he's going to have to settle to it. Totally. 
So I thought that was kind of an interesting little parallel. And then they get back from Kessel. I mean, like, it's it's just action. There's no big revelations in there, although there is a a kiss scene between Han and Kira. Yeah, well, I mean, the Kessel run is an overall. I mean, I didn't like the the weird, like, in the mines sequence. The the Wookiees didn't even look like Wookiees. They were weird. One of them was Anthony Daniels, so he gets to keep up his run as being in every Star Wars movie. Nice. Yeah, that's kind of cool. He is the scrawniest Wookiee in history. Yeah, he was the one that looked like the, the, what's that? weird little caveman like the yeah commercials it, it was weird right it, it did, it did, yeah it did not look like a wookie and i didn't like that that kind of bothered me yeah but overall I, I thought the big monster was really cool for the me castle too. run i thought it was cool that they made a joke but how they if you round down it's 12 parsecs yeah i thought that was good too because that's his point of pride right yeah yeah and of course han would be one who's saying it's 12 when it's probably 12.9 well and i kind of wonder how has the the famed millennium falcon run of the kessel uh, the Kessel Run. How has that gotten to be such a, a noted myth other than the fact that Han goes around telling people? I think that that's it because you see him specifically like right when he gets to Savarine. Yeah. He says to some just random person, hey, I just did the Kessel Run in 12 parsecs. Yeah. Well, <laughs> like, 12 if you round down. Yeah. And he's just but like, like Ray knows the story. Yeah. Which is kind of ridiculous. Well, I don't know. It becomes this big thing. And if it's, if it's a well-known run... And there's this fabled instance when this ship was able to get around the Empire mm-hmm. and do it in 12... I don't know. It, it's not unreasonable. And Ray knows a lot of things. Gets back. Uh, that's when there's the kind of reveal with Enfys Nest, which, again, like, it was kind of fell flat Yes. Yeah, so Enfys Nest is part of the rebellion. Like, she's almost like uh, almost like a Saw Gerrera type a rebel. Freedom fighter, kind of. Yes. Yeah. Someone who's, who's fighting with force. Yeah. And uh, she's just a kid. And she's... It, it didn't work for me. It it was weird. And the yeah. way Han was so sympathetic to them also didn't work at freaking all. Right. So they, he, he doesn't go with Beckett. He goes up to Dryden's uh, place. And Dryden appears to be very uh, pleased with what, what he's brought back, which is this this stuff, except he then reveals that he's on to Han. This is not the real stuff. Yeah. So Han doesn't want to bring the coaxium to to Voss because he knows he's going to do evil things with it. Right. So he decides to devise this plan where he's going to bring him like fake like ice or something that's that looks like the coaxium. But Beckett doesn't want any part of it, so Beckett leaves. Yeah. Um, and Dryden Voss somehow knows that this is fake coaxium, and don't like we're, we're not sure why at this specific time. Mm-hmm. Um, but Han is like, oh shit, this isn't going to work out. But then we find out that. Beckett sells him out and was the one who told Voss that it was fake coaxium. But then there's this like kind of like weird back and forth of like who's in the know, who knows what's going on, because Beckett escapes stealing the coaxium. Uh, and then because that specifically was brought up was the coaxium and it wasn't like the fake. It was this weird like. It was a little complicated. Yeah. Who has the money in the suitcase almost. Right. And yeah. Like in the end, Beckett gets away with Coaxium, and then it's just Kira, Han, and Dryden Voss just kind of standing off. And it's like, well, we can all go after Beckett together, but then kind of shit hits the fan when um, Kira looks like she's going to take out Han, but then in the end, kills Beckett. She so kills, slashes, sorry, kills Dryden Voss. She slashes Dryden Voss through the heart. Because, I mean, he, he was either going to kill Han or Han was going to kill him. And she steps in and saves Han. So that's like, okay. And I think I leaned over to you at that point, And I was like, I guess she's not going to betray Han after all. Because you're just waiting for her to betray Han through this whole movie. And she doesn't. 
And that's what's interesting. Is no, because she doesn't, but she doesn't join him either. No, exactly. And so Han uses this opportunity to go after Beckett to confront him. Kira says, oh, I'll come after you or we'll meet up. And, but instead, she decides, no, he goes after Beckett and she takes off in the ship after she calls her master, her boss. Who is Darth Maul? Yeah. We get the return of Maul. Which is pretty mesmerizing. It's like, and I asked you last week, what's the thing that's going to make everybody's jaws hit the floor? And I mean, like, I'm glad, you, I'm, I'm glad you weren't able to guess it because that's, that's what's exciting to know that Star Wars can still surprise us. Now, there are some people out there, uh, noobs, who are like, I thought Maul died in Phantom Menace. And that's not been the case for years. No, and so he was cut in half, but uh, he made his way to a garbage planet where he had some robotic spider legs assembled for himself. He went insane. Yep. And his brother hunted him down, found him, brought him back to Dathomir's home world, where they restored him. Um, and, and he has robot legs in this, too. They make that very clear. And yeah, so, and so he gets new robotic legs that are more like human legs. Yep. And he regains his kind of position as this dark force presence uh, in the galaxy. He's a and major gangster now. Yeah, he becomes a crime syndicate boss and he actually he runs Mandalore for a little bit for a little while and clearly this is back to kind of his crime lord days mm-hmm. where now he's running Crimson Dawn, which is the gang where Dryden Voss was potentially his second, which is now Kira. Yeah. We don't really know how that relationship's going to going to kind of break down moving forward or if it's going to be or if we just it's cool though. He's older looking. He's now. older he's looking. Like he's jacked and like that's the thing I'm a little curious about. Yeah. I he looked a little too like beefed up, mm-hmm. and I'd like to see. Like, I'd like to see if they continue this on in a movie where if they put him in a, a movie again for them to slender his his build down. Yeah, uh, because he's made to be thinner in both Rebels and the Clone Wars. Right, where it just it it looks a little odd. But it was nice to see Ray Park return. Uh, and have Sam Witwer, who we brought up before, actually do the voice in a real movie. Yeah. Uh, and so I don't even remember who did the voice in a Phantom Menace, The Phantom Menace, but it was... It might have been Ray Park. Uh, I don't think it was, no. because specifically Ray Park, he was brought on because he was the only one who could do the stunts. Yeah. And But I believe that they chose someone else's voice because... They, 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 it didn't work with Ray Park, and yeah. so they just replaced the voice with the more recent Darth Maul voice. And when I when they had the cloak there, and I could kind of hear, I was like, "Is that is that Sam Witwer?" But then I was thinking, "Wait a minute, is that potentially Sam Witwer doing the Emperor? That would be weird, or is it Darth Maul?" But that by point, we get to see that it's Darth Maul, and it's like, "What?" Now I know you think this really blows open uh, an opportunity for uh, sequels to Solo. I don't necessarily think that's the case. And I especially think that the commercial dissatisfaction with Solo's opening weekend will deter them from going any further, especially if they don't have to. Yeah, and so I guess I'll kind of quickly dive into that. Uh, Solo, I don't think needs a sequel, but I think there's a cool way in which you can do it with the Boba Fett stuff. So yeah, we have Solo this year. We have episode nine in 2019. 2020, I already, like I mentioned in our last episode that I think that needs to be the Kenobi movie. It does. to, To get fans back on the same page yeah. uh, and then probably a Benioff and Weiss movie because that was mentioned a little while back we were going to get a series of movies from them we can go back to the Old Republic um, and maybe do some Darth Bane stuff who knows um, but after that I think we could get a, a movie that would be cool if it focused on Crimson Dawn so not Boba Fett but Crimson Dawn and like in a position where potentially Crimson Dawn is run by Darth Maul and they bring on Boba Fett, and then like, and they have Kira, and they bring in like Bosk, 
and then like Greedo and Cad Bane, and then they do like a big giant heist. And there's an episode of Clone Wars, and I forget what it's called, but it's very much like that, where Count Dooku uh, brings together a bunch of bounty hunters, puts them through a bunch of tests to be able to capture Palpatine, and they're gonna kidnap Emperor Palpatine for right. this big job. And it's one of the best episodes in all of Clone Wars. You give a big syndication of a bunch of bounty hunters working on a job together, kind of like Suicide Squad, I am all in to see that. Well, in a way, the storyline between Darth Maul and Kira kind of just nicely sets up the Boba Fett movie that could just as well happen in the same era. And we already know that all the solo actors are optioned for sequels if we want to give them small parts. Exactly. And I think this could be good because Kira sucked yeah. as a character, but this could make her way better. We yep. could learn a ton more about her, make her seem like an actual badass who could go toe-to-toe -to -toe with someone like Boba Fett or Bosk. Or, and like really make her something that's kind of like almost like a like a seductive uh, bounty hunter sort of surprise person, like someone mm -hmm. that you don't necessarily expect, you're going to underestimate, and then will shoot you in the face. Uh, but you could also do a cool angle where if you wanted to keep Lando and and like Han Solo in it, you could do it where it was like the Huts versus Crimson Dawn. Yeah, and so Boba Fett and Han and Lando and Chewie uh, and like Greedo work for the Huts. And they're going after some some score. And then Crimson Dawn with Maul and Kira and then like Cad Bane are going after the same score from a different angle. So it could kind of be cool. Like you could do it one or two ways, but it keeps the Boba Fett focus, gives you more contacts from the solo movie. I think it could wrap it up well. That's what I that's what I really want. And then after that you can just trade off Ryan Johnson and Benny Off and Weiss movies uh, until we get to Episode ten. Episode ten in specifically 2027 i agree 50 years star wars bring me episode 10 i think that's perfect. and that gives us a nice eight-year difference between those trilogies which is essential yeah i agree um a couple other things on solo as a movie um the lightsaber that darth maul has it's yeah the same lightsaber that he has in rebels it's uh, not the same lightsaber from phantom menace though. no it's not and so it's which we know gets uh destroyed well, he, anyway he does find he does have it he has his half down with him uh, okay and so he uses that for a little bit uh, but the the Inquisitors. So the Inquisitors, yeah. So Darth Maul's lightsaber is the Inquisitors who work for Darth Vader. They were a bunch of like ex Jedi and Force users who were used to hunt down other Jedi after Order sixty six. Yeah. And so the Inquisitors had all the same lightsaber. Oh. Okay. Uh, and so they had one double bladed lightsaber, and it actually had a rotating axis on the handle where it would spin, and so it would make this insanely intense scary presence where it was just the spinning red blade it's like a standard issue war machine yeah it really is and they yeah. did that because it would scare the living shit out of any jedi yeah uh, but one emperor also sent off one of the inquisitors to go hunt down darth maul uh. because maul at this point had gone rogue and he was going to be a problem for him he knew Definitely. too much uh but of course maul had no trouble like just taking this guy out and so he actually modifies uh, that same lightsaber to create uh, to create one for himself. So uh, Han leaves Kira uh, behind to not join him. Meets Beckett outside. Beckett's like, "Come with me." He says no, and then there's a bit of a, a yet another betrayal. Yep. Um, well, what do you mean by another betrayal? He kind of betrays the, Beckett, doesn't he? He doesn't I mean, betray Beckett. I mean, they're going to kill each other. Well, exactly. That's the thing. He specifically says he shoots him first. Yeah. Uh, midway through, and Beckett's saying like, "There's like he's I forget what he says, but something along the lines of, but there's things you like you always need to remember.'" And then yeah. Han shoots him. Right. And then he comes over, and you just think he's going to say, "Oh, you shoot first, and thank God he doesn't." But right. he no, he, but instead he says, 
good job, kid. I was going to kill you. Yeah. Like, like it's, you didn't need to say that. I know that Han's a good guy. Yeah. Why are you so protective of Han's virtue? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it, it, that's fair, but I thought it was done really, really well. It was. I, th- I thought it was a really cool scene. I thought it was a good ending. And then you have Han and Chewie going off to go meet Jabba the Hutt. Well, kind of that. they've been abandoned by Lando and the yeah. Falcon. Which it's, was also such a great Han moment. It when, was. Like, he's like, we've got backup right over there. And they just fly off. And so the movie ends with him going to meet Lando at, at a new casino, winning back the Millennium Falcon. Yep. And outsmarting Lando. Yeah, by uh, giving him a hug at the start, taking the card that he keeps up his sleeve, uh, and ultimately getting the Falcon in a different way than we initially expect. Interesting that we see in the Castle Run, the escape pod being used as kind of a distractor to this giant monster that they encounter. And so that if you can go after the escape pod, they can use that to to lure him into the black hole and escape. Yeah, and so that was kind of He never got a new escape pod. It ends up with uh, with Han, and Han doesn't care. Han doesn't need that. He doesn't look after. He doesn't escape. No, that's an aftermarket escape pod too. It's not one that comes standard issue. Oh, I see. Um, but there's a couple other really cool uh, Easter eggs, and then that's probably it. But uh, Aura Singh. So uh, do you know who Aura Singh is? So Aura Singh is a bounty hunter. Uh, they we learned a lot more about her in the Clone Wars. She's briefly in the Phantom Menace. Uh, she's works a lot with Boba Fett actually. Yeah. And so they mentioned briefly Beckett saying that he pushed Aura Singh. Uh, and Lando is thanking Beckett because he owed Aura Singh a lot of money. Mm. And so he kills Aura Singh, so we find out her fate. We didn't know that she died. Right. But finding that out that Beckett kills her is a little interesting. Uh, we also get a reference to Bosk. Yep. When Val asks Beckett why they didn't hire Bosk for the job. Yep. Uh, when Han is first gambling with Lando and says he has a VCX-100, that is his ship. Yeah. And Lando's like, ooh, that's a good ship. And they, they said they're going to do this sort of trade. It's really interesting because they're implying that the VCX-100 is like this better ship. But the VCX-100 is the Ghost, which is the ship that the Rebels crew uses in Star Wars Rebels. No way. And so... Yeah, it's a good ship, but it is not better than Millennium Falcon. The, no. go- the Ghost is a good ship, but a VCX-100 is not as good. <laughs> but Han and Lando both know that. And really, Han doesn't know what a Karelian freighter is, does he? Oh, I think the main point here is like he's mentioning, like, oh, I've got a, a fancy kind of... kind of. Oh, and, and Han absolutely knows what a Karelian freighter yeah, is. Yeah, I was because just realizing. His, his dad would build them. They mentioned that. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. And so he mentions like a fancy ship that he thinks is one that can go, I guess. Maybe it's more that like one that it's on par with the Millennium Falcon, not one that's um, like considered super high end. No, yeah. Uh, also, this is one that is really interesting, and uh, I think I read this, maybe Star Wars Explained or Stupendous Wave, but there is, I haven't ordered the Visual Dictionary for Solo yet, but I'm, I'm going to, and apparently in it, they mentioned that there's a slab that's used on Dryden Voss's desk. Yep, and the slab is made of uh, obsidian from the Sith Temple on Yavin of Exar Kun, and Exar Kun is an old EU character who has not been canonized until the Visual Dictionary canonized him just for this movie. Right Great, now. that's exciting. And so Exar Kun is someone with history. Like he had a double-bladed lightsaber. Ooh, uh, it was blue. It was the size of a standard hilt, like it wasn't long, but it was, but it was double-bladed, and so he had a very cool fighting style. Uh, he was a Jedi who switched over. Uh, so you really don't think that the fact that Dryden Boss had two of those red blades was 
was a bit of a foreshadow for Darth Maul. I really yeah, think you, it was. You mentioned that as well, and in retrospect, I think maybe maybe I'm wrong on that. Maybe it does make sense. Uh, I, I didn't see it that way at start, but it makes a good point. Two red blades, they're not lightsabers by any means, but they they look pretty intense. They're pretty badass. It do, it does seem to work with the yeah. Crimson Dawn thing that they're going for. So that there probably is a, a link there. You're probably right. I think so. Yeah, I think so. So, I mean, overall, I think that this is a fun movie like we hoped it would be. I guess I kind of thought that I would have so much fun that I, would, I wouldn't have an issue with any of the little issues. Yeah. And I, I still do, of course. But I, I give it a seven also. I think it's the most marvelly, the most marvelous of Star Wars movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are parts of The Last Jedi that are even more so almost. Uh, but yeah, I would agree with that. It definitely has the most it felt like Disney Ant-Man. spin on it. It felt like Ant-Man. That's not a good thing. I liked Ant Man, but it was I haven't just, seen Ant Man, but it's just it should feel like Star Wars always. I, I just mean I just mean like uh, it's it's position within within the as saga. as the funny one, not meant to be. Uh, yeah, a really phenomenal story, or really all that important. Yeah, well, we we it clearly just isn't important uh, in the overall like big scheme of things, and that was kind of the big thing for me is that right. the stakes weren't high enough for me to be as interested as I normally would be because I remember leaving the last Jedi and just being on cloud nine and obviously cluing into the, like some of the things I didn't like later on. Yep. Uh, but this movie right away, I was starting to think about like, okay, some things I wasn't a huge fan of Yeah. because I didn't have enough of love for the movie. There wasn't enough parts that really threw me out of my seat with excitement. Right. For me to, but you almost watched it with more sober eyes. Whereas, well, I don't know, the Last Jedi we just watched four months ago. No, I just mean with with the Last Jedi when you watched it, it was like it was so hyped up, you were so amped. Whereas this one, we kind of knew going in. Okay, this is just a movie. That's fair. Definitely go to see Solo. I mean, you already did because that's why you're listening to this episode. Uh, yeah, go but see I mean, it again. If not for the character Han Solo, for the very important character that we first meet, played by Warwick Davis in The Phantom Menace, <laughs> who is enjoying a nice pod race. Yes. He is the exact same character that no he kidding. plays as part of Enfys Nest's crew. Why not? Yeah, I know. He's uh, So he's not played three different characters in Star Wars. He's only played two. He's only played the two. And so very he's, nice. He's the same character there. It's pronounced Warwick. Fun fact. Yeah, that it's, is a fun fact. Warwick Davis. There we go. <laughs> anyway, uh, if you have any thoughts on Solo, and, and surely you do, please tweet us at Recorder66 or email us at Recorder66podcast at gmail.com. You can actually take a little voice memo on your phone and email that in. We'll air it on the podcast. We've never done it before because no one's ever sent us one. That'd be cool, yeah. But uh, but do that for sure. And uh, next week, we'll get back to, uh, of course, uh, recapping the 20s of Empire Strikes Back. We have part six we have the last one last one yeah wow that went fast yeah and then on to return of the jedi and then oh or do we go yeah i guess we go return of the jedi after that all depends on the order we could go we could do some sort of weird cut or machete cut no No, we're traditionals we're gonna go return of the jedi and then we're gonna shift over to the phantom menace but that's way down the road yeah Uh, in the meantime uh, enjoy your second and third and fourth viewings of solo we'll probably have more observations to make next week and in the meantime may the force be with you